The USS Trout, hull number SS-202, a Tambor-class submarine, served her entire service life in the Pacific theater of, the, of World War II. On the, on the, one of the boat's two attack options, aside from its primary of torpedoes, was planting naval contact mines. Most of the time, these mines were easy to avoid with a keen-eyed lookout. Psalm 19, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The, status, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The, judgment, uh, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and, it, and in keeping of them there is great reward. This is Liberty Column with Caleb D. Brock. listener and welcome back to the column from here on out we're going to start a new segment called the review segment where we'll go back and we'll look at topics that we've discussed since this is only the first episode we only have three episodes to go through the first is the chief cornerstone the world rejected in that episode we discussed the importance of Salvation, how it is the cornerstone that holds all of society and our own lives together. Without it, we all go in stir crazy and lose our way. The second is factor fiction. Through through it, we've looked at the fa- looked at facts that proved not just within scripture itself, but also in the archaeological record that gave us the assurance that our Bible is fact and not myth like the secularists would like us to believe. The third episode and most recent, last week, we talked about how to study the Bible in the version debate. In that that episode, I went over several of the the resources that you could do uh, or that you could use to expand your Bible knowledge, as well as several methods or tactics that you could use to better understand the Bible when it was written and how it relates to the modern era. Together with the brief discussion of the version debate and where Liberty Column is in all of that. With with, with that, despite the fact that we covered fact or fiction, that just covers the 
one side of the coin, we're going to talk about the inerrancy of Scripture today. The term in, in, in inerrancy to most today is a bit of a interesting yet unknown term. It seems like a term that you'd hear from professors in their ivory white towers of universities from seminaries and Bible colleges. And to a degree, you are correct. The term inerrancy means the means that it is without error, that Scripture is without error. Within this, we have several points to con- to to consider to consider. One is the fact that within the inerrancy of God, that it came forth by the will of God, by the command of God. The fact that it is so profitable in life, the illuminating nature of the Bible, as well as the interesting thing that it is meant to be fulfilled. If it has not yet been fulfilled, it will be fulfilled. Let's start off with number one, the will of God. This can be proven within Scripture itself in 1 Peter or no, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This flat, flat out said that it did not come of old time by the will of men. It did not come by the will of man, but it came by men that were prompted by God and through his Holy Spirit to write. I mean, we, we, we can see this very visible um, call in Revelation fourteen thirteen. Now, this was God speaking directly to the Apostle John as he wrote the book of Revelation during his exile on the Isle of Patmos. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord, for thence, from thenceforth, yea, says, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. So this this says that this proves out the fact that it was God's prompting to have the Apostle John write the book of Revelation. And the, this, this leaps right into the command to, to, to write as well, because it was commanded by God to write. When the, so, and then also about write, writing, we go into Ezekiel, one of the believe it's the major prophets, though I may be wrong. Chapter 1 and verse 3. And the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Uzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Char- Cherbor. Cherbar. And the hand of the Lord was there upon him. Moving on to the profitability of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Within this verse we get with within this verse we get several very clear reasons why it is profitable. It is profitable for all doctrinal issues. And so unless your authority goes but unless you can point back to a solid piece of scripture that is not taken out of context then that doctrine is no more than the dictates of man for for reproof and for correction these kind of link to link into each other because re, reproof is to prove prove something that you thought was wrong but to be conf- contrasted, correction is the concept of correcting somebody. Like if they're in the wrong, if somebody were to, for instance, murder an individual, it would correct that because God was very clear at, in, in the book of Exodus, thou shalt not murder. And for instruction in righteousness, all all scripture is profitable to instruct people in how to live a righteous life. The apostle Paul goes on in 2 Timothy in chapter 3 and verse 7 that a man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now when you think of this first phrase that the man of God may be perfect. It's not necessarily, it's, it, it's referring to that sanctifying process that you would have as you live. Because we're not perfect. The process of sanctification will make us better, but it won't make us perfect. Because even the apostle or the prophet Isaiah said that I am a man of unclean lips and I live in a land of unclean lips. And the Bible goes on to say, I can't remember the passage offhand, although I did bring it up in the first episode, um, that all of our works are as dirty rags. We're not perfect. And then when it says the, ter- the, the concept of thoroughly furnished unto all good works, when, when, when you hear the word fur- furnished in this context, you're like, what does that actually mean? If, if we... Lay this in with Ephesians 6, I think it's 12, where it says, Put on the whole armor of God that ye may stand against the wiles of the de- devil. Within that verse and in the preceding um, verses, it talks about the armor of God and kind of that militaristic aspect. When you leave that together with thoroughly furnished, we are to be thor- thoroughly equipped, thoroughly furnished to battle the forces of evil in our lives. And the only way we can do that is through studying all Scripture. And when it says unto all good works, it talks specific, It talks about the fruits of the Spirit and, all, and how that works into our lives. Now when it comes to the illuminating nature, we're going to start with Jeremiah 36.2. Take the a role of a book and write therein all the words that I have spoken 
unto thee against Israel, and against Judah, and against all the nations. For the day I spake unto them, from the days of Josiah, even unto this day. It, within this verse, we have against the, against the, against, it uses the term against Israel and against Judah and against all the nations. As established in the first ep- episode, and if you haven't listened to it, I would strongly encourage you to go back and listen to it again. We, we, we talk about the fact that we're all, sin- we're all sin- sinners. We have sinned against God. Pat... Pastor Nathan Messler, the current president at International Baptist Bible College and Seminary in Chandler, Arizona, when I was a junior camper at Ironwood Christian Camp, said simply, sin is breaking God's rules. So if we break God's rules, we have sinned against God. And when we sin against God, we're no different than Israel, Judah, and all the other nations that have spoken against God. Moving on to Proverbs 6.23, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is a light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. With the first part of this verse, for For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is a light. It, it illuminates, the scripture illuminates problems in our lives. Because if we do not, if, if we can't see the problem, then we can't identify the problem. And if we can't identify the problem, we can't fix the problem. If it's not for scripture, we couldn't identify the fact that we are all sinners. And if we can't find that, understand that we are all, we all sin, then why do I need to be saved? It provides us with that understanding and knowledge to be able to work in our lives with, through the power of the Holy Spirit to correct our lives. We also get this same, same concept in 2 Peter 1.19. We have also a more sure word and prophecy, whereunto ye do well, that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place unto the day, day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts. So it pr- provides a parallel, just as when the night comes, you have to light a lamp. In the instance of the first and second cent- century AD, now we just turn on a light or turn push the on button on a lamp and it comes on. But it also shows, unless we turn on the Scripture, unless we spend time in God's Word, we will we 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 will not know what to fix. Go, move, moving on to that to the fifth point in this small segment, that Scripture is meant to be fulfilled. Acts 1.16 says, 
Men and brethren, this scripture must needs to be fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost, by the mouth of David, spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. It's very clear that the, that scripture must needs be fulfilled. I know that's a little bit convoluted in today's English with this, with the King James Bible that I work from, but it's very clear. Matthew 5, 8, now this is Jesus speaking, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now, when you hear the term jot or the term, or the term tittle, you're like, what does that mean? That is the smallest form of punctuation in the Hebrew alphabet. When, when, when you think of a jot or, tit, or, or tittle, I've, I, in, in today's world, especially with um, Spanish, at least here in the States, being considered the second language that you would learn in most schools, it would be the same as the accent mark or the, or the inya that you would have above some words. But what, what, the cons, what Christ is communicating here is that before heaven, the heavens and the earth pass, Every little detail will come to pass. Effectively, it is what we would say is fulfilling everything to the letter and to the spirit in which it was written. So, as, as we can see, Scripture is meant to be fulfilled. Now, I know that there is perhaps a lot of detractors out there for me. And... For, for those of you that are still like, I don't know about this, let me pr pr provide you, pr provide those that are perhaps mocking this concept of the inerrancy of Scripture. There has to be prop, prop, problems in it. In, for, in Second Chronicles 36, 16, but you mocked the messengers of God, and you despised his word, and misused his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was no remedy. In, in this verse, it's, it, it, it clearly articulates that the messengers of God and the prophets of God were mocked, despised, rejected. And it wasn't until the wrath of God arose against his people that they got it, that it made sense to them. We also get in the, the, one of the minor prophets, Hosea 4, 6, and 7, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. 
I was also reject. I will also reject thee, and thou shalt have no priest to me, seeing thou thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. As verse seven goes on to say, as they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore, I will I change their glory into shame. For those of you that are mocking God, that are despising God, I would strongly encourage you to take heed to what Hosea is, what, the, what these verses are saying. Because it is essentially saying that if you reject God, if you reject the wisdom in the Bible, that the Lord will reject you, and he will re- and he will forget your own ch- children and there is nothing worse in your than to have one's children forgotten by the creator of the universe and also he, he will change your glo- glory the glo- glory that he had bestowed on y- your previous ch- generations into shame for you for you and your offspring god God takes it very seriously when we mock him because he is a jealous God. And for those of you who just despise scripture, here's a few verses for you as well. In Matthew 7, 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn against, turn again and rend you. What, what this verse is essentially communicating is you want to cast something that is pure, holy, or sacred down amongst the dogs as if it was nothing more than a table scrap or something to be discarded. You... You 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 wouldn't throw a piece of fine jewelry down and and just let it be trampled on. And so, why would we do that to God's holy word? Why would we do that to His 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 promises? Acts thirteen four forty one. Behold, He despisers and what. Behold, ye despisers, and wonder, and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, through a man declare it, though a man declare it unto you. We don't know what God is doing. We can't see the broader picture. We can't, in military terms, see the 40, the 40,000 foot view or even the satellite view of the battle space and understand what's going on. Only God knows that. And so why should we despise what God is doing? Why should we mock what God is doing if we just don't understand? Second Peter 2, 10 and 11, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise 
government presumptuous are they self-willed they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries whereas angels which are greater in power and mighty being not be be not ra railing ac accusations against them before the lord this prov this provides the di di dichotomy of angels which are great greater in power they're not railing accusations against them before the lord because they know the truth they've they know god's dictates god's will but those that are all in it for their flesh and the lusts thereof are unclean they despise order they are self-willed and they're not afraid to speak speak evil of di of 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 di dignities and so i when 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 you do that God, God will forget you, and that is something that I know that you don't. If if we avoid the illuminating nature of Scripture, this will be our end. So let's just kind of go over where we've been the la this last lit lit little bit. You've been listening here. We've talked about the inerrancy of Scripture, the will of God to have it written the command of God to write. We went on to talk about the, um, the profitability of Scripture, of the Bible, the illuminating nature of the Bible. And we ended up in the fact that the Bible and all the prophecies in it are meant to be fulfilled. We, we also discussed the warning for mockers and despisers and how important it is to not mock God and his and his prophets and his people and at and at the beginning I brought 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 up the um fun the interesting fact of the various tactics of USS Trout how does this connect in with what we talked about today well just as the USS Trout had Two different ways of attacking, um, atta attacking an attacking an enemy. The enemy also had ways to avoid it, whether it was the torpedo or the landmine. It required a very keen-eyed lookout to spot the dangers and to call them out and allow the captain to avoid it. Scripture does the very same way. It acts as our instruction manual and our um, things to and our manuals on things to look for to be able to identify these threats and to be able to avoid it, of, of to avoid those threats. Scripture, by its illuminating nature, will allow us to avoid the threats and the snares of the enemy. And the the enemy being the being Satan in our sin nature. And just to kind of, just to wrap up here, 
if you're still mocking God or despising his word, I would caution you against doing so. Because God does not forget. The only time he forgets is if he pardons your sins because you have gotten saved. That is the only time he does that. Beyond that, you are... He could just for... He just forgets you. I hate to end on such a negative note, but it is really important that we understand this. Without, Without Scripture and without God in our lives, society falls apart. This is Lib- this is Caleb D. Brock, and this is Liberty Column. And remember, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Farewell, and Godspeed. Thank you for listening. Please like, share, follow, and subscribe to the column for new content. Farewell, and Godspeed.